Cells and Pixel supports other podcasts. Did you know that Latinx are 26% of the total population in Silicon Valley, and yet only a shocking 3% occupy a tech role? Latinx Empowered Podcast is putting together some of these fearless Latinx leaders to share their beliefs, purpose, and perspectives, highlighting and celebrating the diverse Latin American culture. Access latinxempower.com or look up on your preferred podcast platform. Sometimes they work in a long project and then it feels like it's taking a really long time. But every day you do something. Every day you do a little like part of this that it's like going towards that the result that you wanted for that project. These are originally live chat sessions that I held, and you can join them in the future on cells.n.pixels on Instagram. My name is Koji, and this is Cells and Pixels. So Daniele Kawasaki is a multi-hat product designer. She currently works at Canopy. For those who don't know, Canopy is an on-demand streaming video platform for public libraries and universities that offer films and documentaries. Before, she, jo- she worked in companies like Square and Stara.ae. She also studied in many well-known institutions like Academy of Arts, Savannah College of Arts and Design, and Universidade de Brasília. During the chat today, we'll start by talking about design, her career, the craft of design, from visual design to prototyping, some of the challenges of designing for a different range of devices like mobile and TV. Well, thank you so much for updating and being here. I'm excited to chat. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited too. Awesome. I want to start with something that I know we have in common. We are both Brazilians with uh, Japanese heritage. And many, many don't know, but there's a lot of Japanese uh, people who came to Brazil over the years. And I just like to know a little bit about that because I know you grew up in Mato Grosso, right? Yes. Can you speak a little bit about that? How, how was it growing up uh, being a... Nipo Brazilian. Yeah, uh, so uh, there are like, like uh, communities of Japanese descendants in big cities like Sao Paulo and Curitiba. But uh, as I mentioned, I grew up like in Mato Grosso, uh, which is pretty far from these communities. So uh, my hometown was in the central west of Brazil when I was like one of the few Japanese people in my school. And uh, when people like here ask me where I'm from, I like to compare uh, my hometown as like the Brazilian Texas, <laughs> where farming, barbecue, and country music are pretty popular over there. <laughs> and when I was uh, younger, I used to ride like horses on the weekends and go fishing trips with my family. That's very cool. Awesome. And how your interest in design started? Like. In Mato Grosso, you know, just having this very uh, non-big city type of living, how how do you discover design and how you start to get excited about it? 
Yeah. Uh, so at first, I, I think I always have like some interest in art and, and design in general. Uh, when I was younger, I liked to draw comics and watching cartoons and play video games. It was some some way I was like uh, interested in uh, design technology. And then uh, when my family bought their first computer at home, I used to share this with my brother and we used to play uh, video games at a time. But at the same, uh, and then I also uh, started like experimenting with blogging. So it was my first contact with like designing layouts and uh, coding with HTML, CSS, and then adding and animating in graphics, the, the graphics of Photoshop. And at that time, I love it. And it was like, I wanted to work with this. Uh, what is this? <laughs> so I went out first look like uh, university's majors, like in my hometown, there were like, uh, architecture or like advertising, but it was not exactly what I wanted. So I like did a little bit more research and then I found that uh, there is actually some major called graphic design. And I was just like, oh, ah, this is what sounds like what I wanted to uh, work on, like work with. And then maybe uh, that's what I, I would like to, you know, uh, I would like to uh, try to uh, experiment with that and then uh, see what happens. So I have to move out from my hometown to pursue that uh, bachelor's degree in, in design. That's awesome. Yeah. And let's talk about the cities then, because you moved a couple of times. You lived in Brasilia, New York, Santa Monica, San Francisco. What do cities have in common for you? What, you know, brought you to this different cities that don't feel connected at the first glance? Yeah, uh, I mean, one thing that I uh, think the cities have, the cities have in common, is the rich cultural like exchange that can happen in the cities. So, uh, for example, in Brasilia, I worked with like German people, and uh, and I have met people from like all over the world. In when I was living in Los Angeles and New York City and here in San Francisco, so I think they are pretty diverse cities, and they have like particular like uh, char like characteristics. Uh, to each one of them, and uh, one thing that I like, I have, I think they have in common, and I love to do it in every every all of the cities. It was to visit museums and go some like some of them like half the biggest museums in the world. So I was like all for it, like going to MoMA, Academy Academy of Science, uh, going to like all of the options that I had. <laughs> What's your favorite museum? I mean, I don't actually have a favorite one, but I I liked a lot to go to MoMA because it was like a mix of like different types of art and design. So uh, I really like that because you can find like something very traditional, like in like paintings or something that was like like way a, a long time made a long time ago, but also like interactive art that is like made today. So that was like one of my favorite museums. Yeah, MoMA is actually my favorite museum in San Francisco. Um, I don't have the membership anymore because I'm out of Bay Area, but I used to pay the annual membership. So it would give me free access every anytime I want to. That's cool. Love that museum. I want to talk a little bit about the cultural adaptation because like moving from all these different cities and experiencing this melting pot of culture and you know possibilities, there's always some friction. So I want to learn from you, like, how was the process for you, especially as a person who kind of like put yourself 
in the world like you know you, you moved to many of the cities by yourself you know just looking for opportunities so i'm just curious about that like how was a adaptation for you moving out uh yeah that was a interesting uh was an interesting story because uh when i first moved uh people did not believe i was brazilian because of like my name and my last name so they really thought i was like japanese and i was like trying to tell that now i did not actually i never have been to japan actually <laughs> so uh that was a, a interesting uh thing that i first like had contact with because for me i was like like clearly i was brazilian i was latina and it was like in my mind i speak portuguese and everybody knows that but actually not when people see me here i like look like more like a like asian from like japan and stuff uh so in terms of adaptation, I think uh, I have, uh, I have like, I was a, like a long learning process for me in terms of accepting that it's okay to make mistakes. Uh, and it was the key to adapt to the US. So for example, like when you're speaking uh, like uh, English, uh, be a good listener really helped me a lot. I, I'll learn by like uh, listening to the way people pronounce words here and repeat them like I repeated them by using those words uh, while I was shedding other people um, and then uh, whenever I made mistakes I told myself to not overthink about it uh, to learn from them and move on uh, and then like uh, other things that I have like uh, also uh, have a contact here was to uh, asking like I was also asking how people uh, to understand like popular expressions like a lot of baseball expressions that were commonly used in the US and also watching popular shows uh, here uh, also helped me to find something I could relate to other people so it helps to build connections and finding something common between uh, what you like and what other people uh, like too. Do you remember one thing like out of the examples that you were like oh wow I never never seen this type of series or I never listened to that type of music when you moved to US or any any cases you remember? Yeah, uh, so The Office is pretty famous here and then I actually never had like watched that before so that was something <laughs> I discovered <laughs> after moving here and it's like this is and it, it is an amazing show but it was something I've never heard before when it was um, living in Brazil. And I have a funny story about this. Uh, this like cultural, like uh, cultural thing is that like I remember at my first birthday party in the U.S., a friend of mine brought me like we were having a, like a party, and a friend of mine brought the cake to the table, and it lined up the candles. And then, as I think, as you know, uh, in Brazil, everyone clap hands when it's time for the birthday song. Yes, and it, they clap like during the whole song, right? But like when they started singing happy birthday uh, during that party, I started clapping my hands by myself. And then I look around and like no one else was doing that. <laughs> so I learned pretty fast that it was like a cultural difference. And I was like, okay, I may stop clapping because it, it looks awkward. <laughs> yeah, another thing is that here, um, in Brazil, we say congrats in your birthday, right? Like here, you don't say congrats, you say happy birthday. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is true. Yeah. That happened to me as well. <laughs> Interesting. Cool. I remember, um, and I still honestly, I try to watch The Office and I couldn't. Like I don't, 
I don't know. I think it's too old. The jokes don't stick to me anymore. But um, I try very hard to watch some of the series that people talked about. But um, not many of them I like, to be honest. I think IT Crowd is the one that I like a lot. But not many people uh, watch IT Crowd because it's an English series here. But um, my wife loves it. And I watch it and I really liked it. I think it's actually better than The Office. But anyways... <laughs> series apart. Uh, okay, so I want to start to talk a little bit about design because this is a topic that I think for many people who are maybe like thinking about transition to product design, I think you have a very good experience and very uh, broad experience on product design in different devices and different ways to think about design and document design. And one of the things that I want to chat with you about is about articulating design decisions. So writing about design is something that not all designers love to do, right? It's, it's kind of boring. You have to document your design decisions. Why are you doing this versus that? Uh, what are the things that really matters when you actually uh, in, implement your design decisions? And how do you... Uh, in this case, leverage the writing to actually support as a documentation for your design work. So I want to learn a little bit your approach on that. Like, how do you think writing can help <clears throat> designers to clarify uh, their design work? Yeah, uh, so whenever uh, you work with uh, product managers and engineers, it is always important to be on the same page regarding the scope of the project, uh, timeline, uh, pro project requirements, anything that is related to uh, work that you as a designer will work, but also other people will work on that project as well. So when a designer uh, writes down like the design requirements and how long uh, the estimations for certain uh, parts of the project uh, uh, in the document, it really helps like your team to know like what you're like, what are you planning? And then from there, you can uh, uh, estimate the work and then share with your team and then uh, start working on uh, other steps. For example, uh, one of the things I like to do is to uh, do like, I divide actually my research process in three steps. So uh, researching means that uh, also uh, you do user interviews and you do user surveys or you just you talk to like people who uh, you are working with like it could be an end user it could be your customers it depends and uh, uh, looking at the data as well to uh, learn more about like uh, what is working what's not working and also like collect those data to base on the design decisions and then also like looking at other like uh, design practices, like looking up like what is uh, in the industry. So for example, I work in, a, in the streaming, uh, the video streaming industry, and then it's important to uh, like to know and then to study how like people interact with like different type of TV devices. Uh, so like whenever you uh, a user is interacting with a TV OS, for example, it is different from like someone who is interacting with a Fire TV remote or like a Roku remote because uh, they are different uh, types of remotes. So that's like one thing you have to consider. And also like consider different like TV sizes, they consider like the ratio. So uh, this experience, for example, is 
pretty different from uh, the experience for mobile apps, which is having a different interaction. Like whenever the, the screens are way smaller and then they are closer to your face and then you swipe, you use your, your thumb to navigate or like your, um, your fingers navigate on the menus. Uh, but you know, when it's a TV device, you mainly use the TV controller or sometimes even they have like the app on your phone. But uh, it basically kind of like tries to uh, reproduce what you would do, would, would you do with the remote controller. So uh, those things are important, important to consider even before designing for uh, any, any any project, like any product. And then, um, and then visually, I think it's like one of the strengths as a uh, UX and UI designer and, and then a product designer is to be able to uh, translate those words also to in a, in a visual way. So for example, if you're working in uh, with websites or working with apps, for example, there are several screens that uh, you can work with. And then uh, in that way, for example, you can have everything documented in that project requirement. Um, but then from there, how can you translate what is in there to in a visual way that people can see like the entire, like the overall project, how they can see uh, where like you, uh, a user starts with the interaction and what's the last step. So you show your coworkers, you show your team that uh, if someone is like open your effort first time to see a landing screen and how they like sign up or how they like log in. And then from there, there are several other screens that are uh, related to, for example, uh, that the onboarding process. And then you can sh like visually with like wireframes, with user flows, you can show other or your uh, stakeholders and show to your team what it is, uh, what you're thinking, what is like the size of the entire project. Talking about the different devices you already mentioned, you know, like when you have a mobile phone, you have different considerations versus you having a tablet or things like that. Um, so here at Cells and Pixels, we all talk with Mariani and Lucas who worked on uh, the Google TV product. And <clears throat> I just want to make a, a, a connection with the discussion we had, which was like, how do you as a designer, think about the different platforms uh, for your career, because there are so many devices that come and go. Uh, but in terms of like, how do you set you up for success, regardless of the type of device? And maybe you can talk a little bit about the differences on, especially the living room type of experience where you're leading with uh, an environment that maybe have different lightning and different uh, context and different people in the same room. So I'm just curious about that because it's a very exciting part of the work you do. Yeah. Uh, so whenever uh, you're designing for a TV size or a TV app, uh, you have to consider the environment where people are at. So uh, usually like people sit like far from the TV, the TV. So you have to consider when you're designing that, uh, sizes for example of the typeface or like the size of like the what is going to uh, be displayed on tv has to be uh, a, uh, a size that people can read from far so like if they're sitting there on the couch and then they're interacting with the tv they shouldn't have to come closer to the tv to be able to read what is on the screen the design should be uh, already set up for that uh, the type of environment and then uh working with a video streaming app for example uh usually like uh, it's a 
a time uh, where people would sit down and spend like one, two hours watching a documentary or watching a movie. So uh, they turn like, uh, usually like they would, they could like turn the lights down and they sit on a couch and then having like a, a dark mode, for example, it really helps with like uh, setting this environment uh, for comfort and uh, also reliability. Very cool. And in terms of uh, how, how do you think about design in that sense? Like, do you think we need designers who are more specialized in a specific platform and device? Or do you think the future is going to be like multi-device and designers will be more like a generalist? Um, I think, uh, I think there will be uh, both still because I, I think like a generalist can work in, in like in different parts of a project and then uh, be part of like every step. But also like if you're a specialist, for example, depending on the certain like technology you're using, uh, that can be very benef beneficial to have like someone in team that is very specialized on that, or that could also even speed up the project. So for example, if there's someone who is very focused on UX research, really helps like the team to uh, speed up the research and to uh, get those insights, get the feedback. And then, for example, if there's someone who is very good at prototyping, that can also speed up the project and also help with like the UX designer to deliver those uh, those projects. So uh, I think it could be actually, uh, again, uh, the future could still like have like both generalists and specialists. You mentioned that sometimes um... You like to change the processes in a design team that could, you know, unlock new possibilities and uh, just like find different ways of working. I just want to open this to you. Like, can you share a little bit of your perspective on on that? Like, different processes for design. Yeah. Uh, so uh, there are uh, some processes that you can uh, use on your project, but there are some. Uh, there is some like specific project that you can uh, decide what is like the best way to uh, uh, deliver those designs. So, for example, some projects can be a, a, a little smaller than others. So uh, you might need like all steps of like a, a project, like all the steps of like a design process to deliver those designs. But if it's a bigger project, you may have to consider all their like other uh, stake stakeholders and also like all the projects that you have may maybe like worked on in the past and they'll be connected to this project and it may maybe will scale to other projects. So uh, one example I can give you is like when uh, we uh, I was working on the project for uh, designing and, and brand new TV app for Canopy. And then at the time, uh, it was just to uh, be able to deliver like a, uh, a design that was actually part of the Canopy brand. And then uh, and, and it was like uh, at the time, they did not have any other app uh, that was built like on Canopy brand. They used like templates from Apple TV uh, or they used templates for Roku. So that, that was like an uh, uh, action that at the time, like we wanted to grow the number of users and having this uh, um, design that would scale to other platforms. So at the time that was one project and the next project that came like after a few years was to work on the onboarding for uh, this uh, TV experience. And then uh, from that, like uh, the implementation of like that TV, brand new TV uh, app was implemented in other TV uh, devices. So for example, for uh, the first one that it was implemented was for Fire TV. 
And then from there, it was implemented in Roku, it implemented on uh, uh, Apple tvOS. So uh, thinking ahead of like how this design would scale to all the platforms and how that would uh, they would like you would have like interaction on a TV controller really helps you to think ahead and like think about like growth, think about scale your project, uh, your product, and then see how that would work in other platforms. So there are different settings. So like for some TV uh, devices, you have to think about like uh, the safe area. You have to consider what the types of directions that people can have. So. Uh, that's like one thing that I had to do when I was designing those apps was to uh, study what it was possible in each one of the systems. Interesting. And I understand that, for instance, on mobile and especially Android, you have different device sizes and you have to optimize for all those different device sizes. For TV, you mentioned the safe, uh, the safe area. Is there any other things that you have to have in consideration? taking consideration when designing for all these different platforms like the type of control or something like that yeah so uh for example uh for fire tv and tvos uh it was possible to uh, reproduce some sort of like some types of animations but then in roku it wasn't so how would that affect in the, like in the way that people interact and how would it affect on the design? So for example, you're, if you're selecting something and then you have like a hover state that was animated for the other TV pl platforms, but in Roku, this wouldn't work. So how would you adapt to that like direction to all the platforms that they have like these limitations and then, um, but it's still making sure that people would have a good uh, uh, interaction with your product. Makes sense. I can see that because I have a Google TV, which is, you know, quite fast and uh, powerful, I would say, for animations. But then I have the Samsung uh, app that comes with the TV and it's very, very slow. So all the animations are kind of downgraded. Yeah. Uh the goal is to right like to uh, make uh, people like to let people uh, accomplish their goals. So uh, it's not like the simplifying your design really helps like people to accomplish those those goals. And then it's not because like uh, we should always like work towards like having a consistent experience, but also like looking out those like technical details. Sometimes it is uh, possible to do in a certain certain devices, but it's, it's, sometimes it's not possible. So how can we adapt to make the user to be able to, for example, like watch a movie or like uh, to select uh, a movie and add to their watch list or uh, even like share with friends? How would you like do like do that and make sure that even even if they don't if they don't have like certain devices and they have like these limitations, how can they still accomplish what they wanted to do on the app and have a good experience? Very cool. Thanks. Um, okay, so moving forward in your career, you are kind of like working with TV before you worked at Slack and you build like a fintech product for mostly mobile, but I guess there's other uh, things about it, you know, the web version and so on and so forth. But moving forward, what are the things you want to accomplish in your career as a designer? Uh, first, I think uh, I would love to see more uh, female lead designers in, <laughs> in tech. Uh, so <laughs> uh, 
to be uh yeah uh and then uh in my first like in my current experience actually it, it is like uh very uh, i'm very glad that i i get to work with a uh, uh most like of my team is female so that was something actually unusual uh compared to my previous other experiences where like sometimes i was the only uh women in the room and uh or maybe like one of the few ones so it's nice to see like other uh designers female designers in the room and having uh a space on the table so that was uh one of the things i hope for the future and i hope that uh i could also like contribute <laughs> to uh the future of that and then um be uh more involved in the design community awesome you're already contributing for that <laughs> that's why you're here how are you uh you know coping during the pandemic is there anything that you found uh comforting or like a hobby that you uh, developed over this time that we're all working from home? Yes, uh, I have baked a lot since the beginning of the pandemic. So I baked bur like uh, birthday cakes for friends. I baked pies, banana bread, muffins. I made brigadero <laughs> sometimes, <Nice. laughs> which is like a very classic Brazilian dessert. And I also have... Uh, Are you doing sourdough started... too? No, <laughs> bread is not bread is not my my game. But <laughs> uh, I I love dessert. I love pastries. So uh, I really like to bake uh, whenever I'm craving for uh, any of that. <laughs> awesome, and I do love the process of baking because there is an aspect of this control, like things that you don't necessarily plan and happen in the process. So. Very similar with design in a lot of ways. <laughs> <laughs> I have also, uh, I don't know if you heard of, uh, I started playing a sport called pickleball. Pickleball? No, what is that? So pickleball, I like to say that it is a mix of tennis and ping pong because the courts like look like tennis courts, but like they are smaller. And then uh, the paddles looks like uh, ping pong paddles, but they are bigger. And then you play like you can play indoors or outdoors, but it's like a really fun game that uh, one of the things that I liked about it is that you see people from all ages playing it. So it could be like a, a teenager, like to 15 years old, like playing with like their grandparents that were like, like 60s, 70s. So it's pretty like democratic <laughs> game that I, I like to play it and I started playing more often during the pandemic. That's cool. I'm gonna do some research. Never never play that. There's so many games these days. I am not a very good person on competitive sports, but I do like biking. That's my favorite thing during the pandemic. Yeah, that, that, that too. Yeah. Uh, Biking in the city is like my main, like me and like transportation. Yeah, I saw that you wrote an article about uh, bicycles and you know alternative transportation modes. So I appreciate that. Okay, now moving to questions from the audience. I have a question here from. Oh, and by the way, Lucas is saying I don't get sourdough. Look, a sourdough is a, <laughs> the best thing ever, but you have to get the real sourdough. There is a lot of sourdough that is sold in uh, in Bay Area that is not really sourdough. You must know that. Um, so if you want to get the real one, uh, you should go to 
Oh my God. And for Tartini, Tartini is the best one. If you go to Tartini, Tartini Bakery, it's really good. It's the best. <laughs> and they do the manual process, you know, the natural fermentation. And it's supposed to be easier for digestion. So there's a lot of things. So I, I, I got a lot into sourdough during the pandemic, but I'm not doing it anymore. It's a long process. So I'll try to catch up again. Uh, I have a question about you as a product designer. If you have to go back in time and give some advice for the younger self, like what you would share with yourself, like let's say 10 years ago, five years ago. I would tell myself to be a, a little more patient. Uh, good design can take time and good design takes time. And then it's a, uh, it's a, result of like uh, work from many other people it's like that work that you could like you do you collaborate with other people and it's very important uh to be in that like position where you can you're able to communicate with your stakeholders and you can like uh, uh be on the same page regarding like uh requirements regarding like uh, uh anything related to that project and uh it's really uh th that that's the role of like the designers to be there to be for the user, to be for uh, advocating for their needs, to rem rem remind the team that we are designing for the people. So we, we have to make sure that collectors like feedback, collectors insights and like uh, applying them uh, later on whenever you're designing. It is important. And then um, in that in that process, um, and then also one thing that I, I love, the way that I, I, I changed this approach, during my career is the applying the concept like of small wins every day and then what that means is that like sometimes you work in a long project and then it feels like it's taking a really long time but every day you do something every day you do a little like part of this that it's like going towards that the result that you wanted for that project so sometimes a project can take like months maybe it takes like a year but Having this in mind really helped me to uh, not feel so like impatient and not feel so like anxious or maybe like about the results of like a project because uh, you know that you're accomplishing something every day. Wow, I love that. The small wins and tracking the small wins every day will give you a better perspective about the, the big picture and also will give you a lot about of like the sensation that things are evolving, right? Like, because you, you're able to track the small steps. And you feel like you're uh, actually progressing. You're like, uh, you, you're accomplishing something every day and then uh, you are like, move like moving forward and then the sense of like progress i think is important and then even like if things outside of work for example i have like applied the same approach for like for example during the pandemic it was kind of hard like to look for like what is next because there was really hard to plan anything right so every day for example i had like done something that i thought it was uh that I thought it was like uh it was interesting. I I tried to like recognize that. It was just like, well, you 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 accomplished something today. You learned how to uh, bake a muffin, or you learned like a little like a one other activity that I was doing at a time was to uh, also learn piano. 
So like a, even learning a little like a, a short song or learning like a new major, like it was something that was uh, really uh, helpful to feel like like the sense of like fulfillment and then feel like you are progressing. So I have applied this to my professional and personal life as well. I love it. And it's interesting because we usually think about external recognition, someone coming and say, hey, yes, you did great here, but it's so important to have this like self-recognition, right? Just making sure that you acknowledge the how far you went, how much things you accomplished over the days and over the hours of the day. You know, all of this is so important and I, I can appreciate a lot of your uh, thoughtfulness here. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. Uh, I think uh, another thing is also like important about this is like it is uh, sometimes like I feel people are having the sense of like in looking for approvals to feel like they have been recognized they uh, like feel like they like belong and they are doing a good job but it's not necessarily like it has to come from other people that can come from yourself like be able to recognize this as important as part of like growing as a um, de designer and also as a person, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Especially because I think these days it's so easy to be so hard at yourself and not like take care of yourself and health, have time to self-care. So this is very important. I want to save this for my week and my month to think about it. So thanks for sharing. Uh, one question about the uh, experience you had with product design in Brazil versus in the US. Is there anything that maybe you see as being different? And I'm asking this because I have a lot of followers here from Brazil and from Latin America. And this is a very common question. What is the biggest difference and uh working in US versus working in Brazil or Latin America? Um, I think uh, in the US, uh, there are, the, the process can be a little bit different in terms of like how the public you took the public you are designing for. So uh, for example, if you're like designing an international product, it is important to design that uh, experience that would work for like different countries and different languages. So like, let's suppose you're designing an app that would work here in, in Brazil. So you have to like think about how that like text would fit on that screen or like uh, how would that translate to the, those languages. So uh, this is one uh, thing uh, to consider when you're designing. But uh, in terms of like, I think it really depends on the market um, uh, because uh, I don't actually, I, I haven't heard of like a streaming like service in brazil that i really can like compare to some other streaming apps we have here for example so i think there's an opportunity for some areas to grow and then um i think that's uh, a little uh, a little bit of the difference like uh in terms of innovation as well um uh, i've seen like a lot of really good like apps uh that were like designed and created in brazil um but I also see a lot of like things that are trying to reproduce what are like from created from the American public, but then try to produce it in Brazil. But uh, you have to like uh, study like who you're designing for. So I think like uh, you can use as a reference, you can use as an inspiration. But uh, I think uh, at the end, you uh, as like you design for the Brazilian public. 
uh, you should be uh, focused on that, like uh, on the people who are designing for us. So the experience could be a little bit different uh, depending on the location you are. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Cool. All right. We're getting close to the end here. And I want to give you some space to share whatever you want. Maybe give your final tips for people who want to transition to product design. Leave your contacts, if you will, whatever you want. This is your space. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, I actually, when I uh, started design, uh, as I mentioned before, like I, I discovered graphic design, but I actually didn't know exactly what was it. But like I, I just thought like it was something I wanted to try and then uh, see if that would work out and figure out that. And then in that process, uh, I discovered many other things. I like I have like the opportunity to work with graphic design projects like animation, motion design, a little bit of like industrial design, design management, web design, a little bit of like uh, fashion design. So um, if you have like a chance to like try many different areas and like go go for it, it really like uh, I think like it really helped me to guide to where I am. Uh, today because I have tried different things that maybe uh, I, could, uh, I liked, but like maybe not what I was passionate about. And then it was kind of a process because I didn't know exactly what I wanted. It was like, it's like a little bit of different, like maybe when someone who wants to become like, for example, a doctor already knows, like maybe kind of like already know what exactly what they want to work with. For me, it was different. For me, it was like, I have no idea, but I wanted to try to figure this out. So uh, if you uh, can, you know, uh, read a lot of articles about like design and then uh, read the, like, the difference between the roles, like what is like, you know, UX design, what's UX research, what is like, uh, what a prototyper is. Like if you want to become a manager, like uh, there are like many resources online that you can look it up and then uh, learn more from that. And also like, um, don't be afraid of like uh, trying new uh, methods, uh, trying new like tools, learn new tools. Even like you know, the market's changing. Uh, there are like d different like uh, tools that we used to have like five or even like, like ten years ago. So being able to update yourself and like learn these new tools, uh, it's uh, really helpful to you know get uh, get like updated and see like what is uh, possible and. Um, don't be afraid of like failing or like a big, being a beginner because if you consider yourself as like uh, like internal learner learner like you're gonna be like a beginner at something at some point but then it, that would be like at least like at least at this this time you would like recognize that you last, uh, at least like you have tried to learn something from that experience. And that's what I think it's important. It doesn't have to be all like necessary related to design. That could have been something like related to something you would like to learn and then you can maybe apply that to design. So if you like to uh, uh, draw, maybe that could be like, you could be a designer that like illustrates or like a visual design. Or if you like, uh, if you like uh, writing that are like, you can be a UX writer, maybe that like different like uh, different like parts of design that I think like it's that's what it makes the industry pretty in interesting because I feel like you have so many points like so many like different areas that can 
be in, like blended instead of a way that they can work together. So uh, it's like uh, in the middle of tech, uh, middle of like be more technical, be technical, but also creative. Uh, I think that's where the product designer is at. Awesome. And we are so lucky to be in a space where there's many options and there's so many layers to what design could be. Uh, so yeah, really glad and good to hear that you, you feel the same. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time, Danny. I uh, really appreciate all the wisdom you shared today, uh, community for sure. Also, is very grateful to have you here today and best of luck. Have a great uh, rest of your week. You too. Thank you for having me and thanks everyone who are watching the live. I'm uh, glad to be here. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. My name is Koji and this is Cells and Pixels. Thanks for listening.